If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast episode number 182. Now there's a first time for everything. And today we are asking our guest your biggest questions. Gold Diggers, welcome to Ask a Blogger Anything. Now I wanted this episode to be with an expert in the field and I couldn't have found anyone better than Kathleen Barnes. This woman is the life and style blogger behind CarrieBradshawLide.com. After quickly realizing life as a 20-something wasn't as effortlessly fabulous and sprinkled with sparkle as Carrie Bradshaw led her to believe, the website was born back in 2010. The blog flourished and Carrie Bradshaw Lied has been featured on the Today Show, Oprah.com, People Style Watch, RealSymbol.com, SouthernLiving.com, Who, What, Where, New York Magazine's The Cut, and so much more. So it is entirely safe to say that we have an expert. And today, Kathleen is going to teach you everything you need to know about blogging. So if you're wondering, how do you start How do you drive traffic? What the heck is up with sponsorships? Or how do you actually make this a career that is a sustainable source of income? You are in for a treat. Now, Kathleen and I met a few years back when we actually went on a mission trip together with Healing Waters to the Dominican Republic. And so she is just somebody that I know is an expert in this stuff. And she also has a heart of gold. Now, before we dive in, I want to read the review of the week. This is titled Gold Digger is a Game Changer by Photog. Says I found Jenna's Gold Digger podcast a month ago and have since binged through every episode while I work from home. I truly admired her kind heart and eagerness for helping others reach and see their full potential. If you are an entrepreneur or dream of owning your own business and searching for a constant kick in the pants, look no further. Thank you so much for that review. Let me tell you, it really helps us get amazing guests like Kathleen on the show. To access today's show notes, head to jennacutcherblog.com slash Kathleen. And without further ado, my friend, the founder of Carrie Bradshaw Lied, Kathleen Barnes. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. 
If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Oh, you guys, I'm so excited that Kathleen is here with me today. So welcome to the show, Kathleen. Thank you, gorgeous Jenna. I'm so excited. I've been listening to your podcast since you launched. You're like, I'm so impressed and amazed. She sent me the nicest email and I was like, wait, you listen to my show? I was like, we need to get you on here. And so I couldn't think of anyone better to open up the questions from our audience. And we're going to do that today. You guys sent in your biggest questions to ask Kathleen. And I'm so excited about today's show. But to provide context, walk us through who is Kathleen Barnes? What is Carrie Bradshaw Lied? How did this all get started? And kind of what are you doing these days? Yeah. So basically in college, I would style all my girlfriends. They would come into my dorm room or sorority room and I would pair their outfits. And so I always wanted to work for a magazine and I got my first job in a magazine in marketing and advertising at Southern Living in the South. And my friends were still texting me like, can I wear this belt with these shoes? And I was trying to be a you know, corporate magazine woman. I wanted to be Kate Hudson and 10 Things. No. What is the movie? Where she <laughs> works with the magazine? Oh. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I wanted yeah, to work yeah. for the I'm women's magazine. <laughs> and I was like, I can't answer all these questions. I'm trying to be a professional businesswoman. So I thought, let me start a website so I can explain why I buy some things from Saks and some things from Target. You know, like not everything has to be expensive. And so I did this on the side and I started Carrie Bradshaw Lied because I couldn't wait to graduate college. And I thought I was going to be doing all these fabulous things once I was (laughs) in the real world, like going out to eat at these new restaurants and making new friends and like shopping all the time. And I barely had enough money to pay my rent. I was getting paid nothing. And so I could eat and like sleep. And that was all I could afford. And I was like, this is not sex in the city. This is not fabulous. This, I'm very poor. It's very sad. And all my friends from college are like all over the country. I have no friends. So I started this website and I would just write like one blog post a week. And it kind of grew slowly, slowly. And I continued to build my corporate career in marketing and social media and really focused on that and just did this for fun on the side. And so I know that's such a, it's like such an annoying answer when I feel like that's such an annoying answer when people are like, how did I get started? But it really was a slow growth. And I started it. My intention was truly to connect with my friends who always asked me style advice. I had no idea it could be monetized. And that was never the goal. It was just a fun outlet because I minored in journalism and love to write. So now it's kind of my full-time gig, which is still wild to say. And I just focus on kind of bringing attainable style to people's closets and home and travels. I want it to be relatable and approachable. And that is what is Carrie Bradshaw Lied. I love it. And how many people think your name is Carrie? Oh, everyone. (laughs) I don't even correct people. I just answer to it because I totally, I mean, it's like if you put someone else's name in your website, it's like, of course, they're going to think that's your name. It's just like natural. (laughs) So I don't even correct people. And then everyone feels bad. I'm like, please don't feel bad. Call me whatever you want. It's totally fine. 
<laughs> I just remember when we were together in the Dominican Republic and you were like, people constantly think my name is Carrie. And so I just think that is really cute because Always. Carrie Kathleen will call you whatever. But Absolutely. we have some really big questions. And what I'm so excited about, Kathleen, is that she has done this as a side hustle. She's done it as a full-time gig. And she has so many influencer friends that are kind of pouring into her life. And so these questions are going to match you, whether you haven't started yet or you're getting going or you're a full-time influencer. And so let's start at the very beginning. Brittany Stombaugh asks, what made you do it? The initial jump between the idea and the actual blog, like what made you take that step of faith? How do you overcome the idea that it has to be perfect from the start? As in, maybe you didn't have the right template or the right photography, but you wanted to start putting your writings out there. This is a great question. And you know, when I started this, it was 2010-ish. And so there weren't a lot of templates out there. There weren't, there wasn't a ton of information on how to get started and to get started well. So I was Googling coding and like figuring out how to make shift my own thing on blogger.com, which is still available and still completely free, which is what I would recommend someone starting with. Cause you don't want to invest. You don't put a lot of overhead into something that you're not sure you're going to want to maintain. Now I would say, to make the initial jump, there are so many beautiful templates on Etsy that are inexpensive. They're not completely custom, but they're affordable. And there's blogger.com, which is totally free. So I would try to do something like that. That's a lower cost. And I think initially, if you're working full time and you want to kind of start this on the side to see if you can gain any traction, I would commit to posting like once a week consistently and then building on that because if you're not going to post on it consistently, like you hate to pour a bunch of money into some fancy design only to can it six months later, you know? I love that. I think that is amazing advice. And I think too, just get proof of concept before you invest into it. Like, are people interested? Are you actually committed? Because Kathleen, how many times have you seen somebody launch a blog and then like three posts in, it goes to crickets? 100. I think now, I think it happened a lot more earlier than it does now, yeah. probably because there's so much more information on how to, to launch something now. But yeah, exactly. I'm like, you don't want to, I didn't invest any money into my website for years because I didn't even like think it was going to be a thing. And I certainly didn't want to spend my hard earned money on this like random website that I didn't even know if anyone was reading. So yeah, I would definitely, you know, there's some really affordable templates on Etsy that are really cute. Yeah. Heck yeah. Okay. Our next question comes from Latifa Adesanya. And she says, what is your advice on niching down to grow, especially when you have multiple interests? So for you, Kathleen, you share a lot. You share travel, you share home, you share outfits and fashion. So have you always shared multiple categories or were you super specific from the start and then kind of branched out as your brand grew? Yeah, I... Personally, like I started as a style blog, so I always want to be dedicated to providing that content. That's kind of the main vertical of my website. But I think if you have multiple interests and you're not sure what exactly to hone in on, I'd really pay attention to your Google Analytics and your social media analytics, which are both available and free to see what people are clicking on and gravitating to. Like for me, for example, like I love to cook and I wanted to share recipes and things, but I just didn't feel like my audience was connecting with it. So I don't share it as much because it's not a vertical that they gravitate toward. And ultimately I'm trying to provide, you know, something valuable to them. So if they're not 
finding that content valuable, that it's not something I'm looking to spend my time on. I love that. I think that's super smart. And we recently just did an episode all about search engine optimization. And it shared a little bit about how we use Google Analytics to do that. So if you're freaking out when we talk about those things, go to episode 177, because that will totally walk you through some of those things. So Kristen Adams asked, are there any pitfalls or missteps that seasoned bloggers experienced early on that they would warn others about who are just getting started out? This is an awesome question. Yes. And so my advice would just be to be mindful of who you trust. You know, I was really lucky to find a core group of ladies who are really honest and loyal and like we genuinely want each other to succeed. And I do trust my intuition. I've always had a pretty strong intuition. Um, I've, I've seen girls who are so sweet and kind and they're willing to, you know, share anything with anyone and it's kind of come to burn them a little bit. So I don't mean to sound negative, like trust no one. That's not what I'm trying to say, (laughs) but I do think there are a lot of people in every industry that are willing to do anything to succeed. And you want to be mindful of those kinds of people. You can always be friendly, but just be mindful of how much you're willing to share up front, you know, like let people show you their character first. Does that sound mean? No, I don't think that sounds mean at all. And I think too, you know, the larger your platform gets, and I know that this probably happens to you daily as it does me, is that everyone wants something from you. And so it's like when we started, we had no connections. We were scouring Google to find answers, you know, and we want to see people that are willing to do the hard work that we did to get to where we are. And of course, there are so many more shortcuts and things, uh, but you got to know people's intentions. And I think when we started, it wasn't really an opportunity for a full-time job. And nowadays people can approach it from such a different angle to immediately make money or things like that. And so I think starting with your passion and then hopefully turning those passions into profits. That's exactly a really good answer. 100%. I feel like you just eloquently said that so well. (laughs) I support exactly what you said. Beautifully said. So Lauren Haley wants to know, how the heck did you get traffic in the very beginning? Like, how did you get traction? How did you get readers? Fill us in on the secrets. Yeah, that is a great question. I think, you know, because I started my site so long ago, it really has grown slowly and steadily over the past seven, eight years. And I think the biggest piece of advice, which is probably like eye roll advice is really just patience and being consistent with posting. You know, I think some things do happen overnight for some people, or it might appear that way. But I think, you know, consistently dedicating time to your craft, educating yourself, you know, continuing to grow your skill set and fine tune them, you're going to see growth. I think you have to ask yourself when you're creating content, you know, does this bring value to someone? Like, is this, is this going to help someone? And another big thing, cause I feel this way sometimes, like it might look easy, but if someone's making their job look easy, it means they're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. it doesn't mean it actually is easy. Like I mean, recently I thought I could make ramen and I tried to make ramen. (laughs) It was not easy. It had a hundred steps and I'll never make it again, you know, but it looked easy and it wasn't. Right. I love that. I think like anything on Pinterest where you're like, oh, that looks easy. Chances are it's probably way more complicated, way more expensive and way more intense than you actually think. 
Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of it requires patience. I mean, you know, you have to just be patient and you have, the thing is too, like if you're patient and you truly love what you're doing and you love to write or share photography or share strategy tips and that kind of thing, like just stay consistent because it, you love what you're doing. But the, the thing is, it's like, if you're not patient, you don't love what you're doing. It's going to be a really frustrating experience, mm -hmm. you know? Do you think for you, I'm piggybacking off of Lauren's question, like when did you start to reach people beyond your immediate circle of family and friends? Do you remember that time and like how it happened? Yeah, I feel like it was probably like, I actually remember sitting in one of my jobs and I was like, which I should not tell my previous boss this. <laughs> I was like looking at the analytics of my site and I saw some people in Australia or reading my website probably less than a year into it. And I was just, and all of a sudden my first thought was embarrassment. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Who are these strangers? They probably think I'm crazy. And I think that was when my head started to turn paying attention to the analytics of where traffic was coming from. Cause I just thought, Oh gosh, and this is 2011, 2010. I was like, you know, if people that don't even know are looking at this, like I should make it look a little prettier because they don't know me to give me the grace of like, oh, we know Kathleen, you know, she's doing her best. God bless. <laughs> so that was kind of when I thought maybe I need to up my game a little bit, get a better camera. So I think when you pay attention to those analytics and you can see that it's not just your mom and friends leaving all your, all the comments, you know, it kind of makes you want to perhaps put even more of your best foot forward. I love that. Okay. And also keep in mind, corporate gals, I started to be mindful thanks to my husband. He was like, you know, when you're applying for jobs, if they Google you, they're going to find this website. Yeah. So it needs to look nice. And I was like, that is a good point. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. On to the logistics and like the business side of things. So Robin Bichelle Connor says, I would love to know how you made the jump into full-time blogging. Did you save up for an extended period of time? How did you know that you'd be secure financially month to month? Did you have some sort of budget spreadsheet to work off to make sure that you were bringing in more than you were spending? Yeah, this is an amazing question. You know, so my husband is still in medical training. He's been in medical training for our entire relationship. <laughs> so he's a student, you know, and so I worked in a corporate job and blogged on the side for probably about five years. And once I noticed that my blog was consistently making income, which was like crazy. It was, you know, I was able to make some money from it. I thought I need to start tracking this more diligently. So I made a huge spreadsheet and I would track my monthly income and expenses from the blog. And just so I could know what was going on exactly. Cause when you have a corporate job, obviously that is like your main focus. And then this is your little like side biz. But then I started tracking it in a more organized way and I thought, you know what? My husband was like, you should focus on this because you enjoy doing it. And I just was, I loved what I was doing in my corporate job. And I also got nervous because we really relied on my income to kind of get us through these years. And so I told myself if I could match my corporate salary for six months, that I would feel comfortable leaving. And for me, that was important just because I did feel that financial responsibility. For some people, you may not need to do that. You may say, you know what, these are my expenses and this is my rent and bills. And if I can make this much a month for six months in a row, then I feel comfortable dipping my toe you know, into doing it full time. But I think you have to figure out what that number is for you to live comfortably. Because for me, I know that nothing would kill my creativity, like stressing over being able to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. you, Absolutely. Know, like you have to make sure you're ready 
I don't know about you because I just would be like sweating every day if I just thought, yeah, I'm pay my rent. <laughs> I was also the breadwinner. And so it was like, I needed to know that I'd matched my salary before I could leave and like figure out like, what do you do for insurance and all of that, that stuff that can 100%. be really, really hard. But also too, I feel like so many people start their quote business, but they're never actually legal or legit. And then tax season comes by and they start running Ooh. the numbers and they realize like I lost money. Like I didn't even make money. Uh, and so I love that you had a spreadsheet to just kind of keep track of things because we'll talk about this in a minute, but I'm sure at the very beginning you weren't booking big brand deals or getting a bunch of stuff for free, you were no. paying to do your job. <laughs> totally. And not only that, but the beauty is keeping an organized spreadsheet. So organize your expenses and to what category they fall in. And the beautiful thing about that is then when tax season comes around, I just email that spreadsheet to my accountant and it's like all there. It's a beautiful thing. It is a and, beautiful thing. <laughs> and also when you're evaluating leaving your corporate job, like you have to remember like there is value in corporate benefits, which, you know, 401k, discounted gym membership, health insurance, dental insurance. Like these are definitely things you need to factor into your decision because you really can't put a price on some of those benefits. Uh, They're paid extremely, vacation, <laughs> yeah, paid vacation, which no longer exists, which I know like Crimea river, but still all of these things really are something to be valued, especially when you're starting off your career. And not only that, you know, I don't want anyone to feel defeated if they're like, I really want to start a blog right out of college but I feel like I have to get a job first. Know that because I've worked in social media on the brand side and as a blogger, and I can tell the girls who had careers before blogging full time because they handled themselves in this professional, timely, like just they handled themselves differently and they handled their businesses a little bit differently because they've had that responsibility of reporting to someone and understanding a hierarchy chart and all of those beautiful things. So there really is some value in starting your blog on the side of your full-time job because you're going to learn things in that full-time job that are 100% going to help you mm -hmm. when you have your own business. Well, and you blogged for, was it six years before you made the leap full-time? Because when I first met you, you yeah. still had your full-time job. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I did it for like five-ish years, maybe a little over five years. Yeah, so... I like, I like cried when mm -hmm. I was leaving my job. <laughs> <laughs> because I really loved it. And truthfully, I know this sounds like another eye roll moment, but like I really, when I started this blog, I had no intention of even monetizing it, much less doing it full time. Like I really, you know, had a corporate vision for myself. And so even though this has been a beautiful detour, you know, it's not what I anticipated. And as a type A person, you know, I was going from this, this like salary, this guaranteed paycheck to this you know, this job in sales where like month to month, everything's different. And so that lack of consistency really like kind of sent me for a tailspin. So, you, you know, there's a lot to mentally prepare yourself for. And I would just really be sure that you're ready because there's nothing wrong with staying at your job a little bit longer just for that extra security. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. So Shelby Robach says, walk us through your day. How do you stay productive and focused while not getting distracted by what everyone else is doing? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think different things work for different people. I know, Jen, I've heard you speak before about like what keeps you focused. You know, some people like to batch projects. For me, I wake up on the West Coast, which means the East Coast has already been up and working for three hours. So when I wake up, my inbox is pretty stacked because everyone's already been working. So what works for me is I kind of wake up, I promote my blog posts, content, and I work on my inbox until probably about noon. And I designate that time to staying focused on my inbox. And then I'll have lunch. I might catch up on social media and, and engagement on social media. And I might run any errands I have to run to try to beat that nine to five crowd. And then in the afternoon, the East Coast is winding down because they're wrapping up their day. 
So my inbox lightens up a little bit and that's when I work on editing photos, video, writing content, brainstorming content, styling outfits, organizing my calendar. I might hop on the phone with my business manager and hash out loose ends, research for upcoming trips and packing and all that kind of stuff in the afternoon because my inbox is a little bit lighter. So that's kind of a system that works well for me. But I know some people, what I did when I worked full-time and blogged on the side is I would designate either one or two nights after working during the day, or I would designate my like Saturday or Sunday because Christian only got four days off a month during his residency. So I would designate the day that he was working and I would write all my blog posts for the next week in one day. So that was batching my time. And that way during the work week, I could focus on my day job. And then on the weekend, I would try to batch my time to be most productive for my blog. So, and I'm looking back now, I'm like, I don't know how on earth I did that. (laughs) Don't you wonder that? You're like, how did I get so much done when I was working full-time plus this? But sometimes they say like, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person, you know? (laughs) Honestly, I've actually never heard that, but it, is correct. It is so funny. So Raquel M wants to know, she says, I'm thinking about rebranding my blog, but I'm so overwhelmed by this. Have you ever rebranded and what went into that process? And do you regret it? So I have never rebranded only because, you know, I feel like, I don't even know, I guess I just got lucky that my original intention and idea for my site, like I still find true. So I've connected with it. Jenna, I feel like you actually are like yes. a branding guru and probably have much better advice on this. <laughs> I can answer. Uh, I have rebranded. So I, my whole business, not many people know this, but my whole business used to be photographs by Jenna Lee. And it's so funny because we still get mailed to that name. And, um, and so when I rebranded to Jenna Kutcher, it actually, I didn't make it a big deal because I feel like sometimes people make rebrands such a big deal because they're so worried about it. And so I kind of just quietly announced the change and made everything kind of swap over. And it really wasn't that big of a deal. You know, you change your logo, you have the freedom to change colors and fonts. But I think a brand is more about the personality and less about the visuals. And I think when people think of rebranding, they think of all of the visuals. But if you have a strong brand voice, like changing a name or something is is not a big deal. I want people to be proud of like saying their business name. And so I know when I was photographed by Jenna Lee, people would ask, well, what is your business called? And I was like almost embarrassed. And so now it's just so easy to be like, well, it's my name, you know? So that would be my advice there. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful point. And I, I also agree, like kind of doing it quietly, like, cause it's like when you make things a big deal, then other people make it a big mm-hmm. deal. Right. So I think that's great advice. Okay. So I'll remember that if I ever please, rebrand. Well, I love your brand. I hope you don't, but <laughs> we'll see. I hope HBO, please don't come for me. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> Sabrina wants to know. So first things first, do you have an email list? And if you do, what content do you send to your email list versus posting to your blog? And what sort of opt-ins or how do you get people to sign up for your list as a blogger? Okay. This is another one that I feel like Jenna is way more experienced on. I've actually read, I've read and listened to Jenna's content about email lists because you, I feel like are so educated on the topic. I feel like you should take this one. Okay. So uh, do you have an email list just out of curiosity? 
I do have one, but I don't have a separate, like, I don't have separate content for my email list. It's certainly something that I probably should be doing and I'm not, I do have one, but unfortunately, like when I transferred, if anyone transfers from blogger to WordPress, just make sure you're doing it with someone that knows what they're doing. Cause I think I lost a lot of my email list in that transition. And I, I was not aware to pay attention to that. And that's something I regret. So don't be like me. So I would say as a blogger, it depends on who your audience is. If they are consumers, as in consuming your content, or if you're marketing to other bloggers to teach them things. But a few blogs like that I think do a really good job with their emails is the Every Girl, which we love those girls. Their emails are awesome because they basically do roundups of the content that they've shared throughout the week. And so it's a really cool way to drop into an inbox and to share all the pieces of content that you've published, inviting people to click through so that your numbers go up. They also share like different events that they're going to be at. Kathleen, sometimes I know you do events where you're kind of hosting things or showing up as a face of something. So an email list is a really good way to like invite that true tribe to celebrate with you. When it comes to opt-ins, I know that you could create like if Kathleen created like the 10 must have purchases in the Nordstrom semi-annual sale or whatever that is and made that as some sort of freebie, like I would probably buy that because I'd be like, what is she keeping a secret from me versus what's going on to the blog? Or just like even if you did some sort of capsule wardrobe or things like that, which we'll talk about how that could actually drive profits for you. But I think that there are so many different ways that you could take your content and make it into some sort of freebie that lives on and just serve your email list to get more traffic onto your posts each week since driving that traffic is probably one of the number one ways that will help generate more income down the road. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like really? There needs to be like 10 of you because <laughs> you, you have too many skills and you don't have enough hours in the day to truly do them all. Be everyone's mentor. <laughs> I mean, really, that's like, I, feel like I, I need to like record what you just said and play it. Over well, over. don't worry. It'll be on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm going to like pause it and re-listen oh. over and over again. So we're going to move on to photos and content. So Jasmine Walborn says a for real, who takes your pictures? <laughs> I love this yeah. question. Jasmine, I do too. For me, so when we first started, like, you know, taking more high resolution photos, Christian and I totally taught ourselves. I think at the time we were engaged maybe, and he would take all of my photos. And then as we kind of continued to grow, obviously I wanted to, I was like, okay, you don't need to do this for me anymore. So he still probably takes, I'd say 50 to 60% of my photos. And then I personally work with professional photographers or I actually have a lot of equipment myself and have taken photography classes. So I know some other bloggers that also have a good eye and sometimes we've taken each other's photos. So I think there are different things that work for different people. A lot of it depends on where you live because, you know, obviously Jenna knows that she's a professional photographer and very talented that photographers specialize in different things. So some photographers focus on weddings and some focus on family portraits and some shoot bloggers a lot during the week, just as a way to like make some cash before big projects on the weekend. But sometimes you'll contact photographers who primarily focus on, you know, wedding photography, and they might quote you like really expensive because 
they're not hundred percent sure, you know, how it goes in terms of like, there's way less editing and like most bloggers prefer to select the photos themselves. So that takes some of the workload off of a photographer. So I think like, I just moved to San Francisco and I started, I follow a lot of girls who live in San Francisco. And so I started to look to see if they were crediting photographers and kind of ask them if they'd recommend anyone. So in the beginning, again, I was trying to keep my overhead really low. And so I forced my husband to take the photos. <laughs> but as I was willing to invest more in my business, I was willing to pay a photographer. That is awesome. So along Point with that, Mandy Menzer asks, how often are photo shoots done? For as many posts as people have, it seems daily, but is it one crazy day of a million outfit changes that gives people enough photos for a few weeks or is life truly just getting photos taken all day long? I love this question. I laughed out loud. I was like, that is hilarious. <laughs> totally valid question. Yes. So again, I think this is kind of different for everyone. I do know some girls who shoot every single day what they're wearing. And I think that's amazing. Like I so admire that. I personally am much lazier. I do shoot. So I personally shoot social media content probably every day. But when it comes to like high resolution professional photography for my website, I'll dedicate three to five days during the month and I'll shoot multiple looks just to get bulk content because you have to think also, you know, some people's husbands don't mind learning photography and some just like, it's not going to work. Like not everyone can get behind a camera and you know, it just doesn't click for everyone. So if you're paying a photographer, you're not gonna be able to pay them to come to your house every single day. Uh, that would be a fortune. So you need to, you know, you'd figure out what schedule is going to work for you. And that way you want to maximize your time and perhaps shoot, you know, I, when I shoot with someone, whether it be Christian or a photographer, I usually shoot anywhere from three to four looks. So it might take, I don't know, an hour and a half to two hours. I know some girls that can shoot 10 looks in a day and they'll just dedicate the whole day to shooting. It kind of depends on how you feel. You know, personally, I feel like I start to kind of look less um, <laughs> cheerful after four outfit changes in my car, which is usually the situation. Yep. So it's really finding what works best for you and helps you stay efficient and maximizes your time. Yeah, that's exactly what we do too. Drew probably shoots 90% of our photos and I'll set the camera no up. Way. Yeah, I'll set the camera up and then I'll make him stand where I want to stand. And he does Beautiful. the funniest poses ever. I need to start posting them because I'll be like, okay, I want a photo of like my back and then he'll stand like that and I'll take a picture of him and then I'll show him what I want. And yeah. so yeah, he does probably 90% of my pictures and it was so funny, too, because we used to argue about it all the time where I would be like, hey, babe, I really need like some images in this outfit. And he would just kind of roll his eyes and be like, oh, not this again. And now that he does some influencer stuff, he gets it. So today he was like, hey, babe, um, on Saturday, we should like take some pictures of outfits. Do you have any outfits you need to shoot? And I was like, actually, I think I'm caught up right now. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I have a few outfits I need to shoot. And I was like, shut That's up. So beautiful. <laughs> I Christian has to start a blog. Uh, I need Christian to become a blog. It's been That's amazing. so helpful because now he understands it. And so it's not like this, like pulling teeth activity. It's like, oh, okay, well, we'll just like spend an hour doing this. But I also too, one thing I value about what you do and what you put out is like, 
there are some bloggers who you can tell they just shoot a bunch of outfits in one day and they probably would never wear those outfits in real life. And so like whenever we do it, I want to make sure these are like actual clothes that I do wear on a day-to-day basis that I'm not photographing day-to-day. You know what I'm saying? Like some fashion things you're like, do you really wear that like out to lunch? Like, or is that like for the Grammys? Like, tell me about this. 100%. And that's what I was laughing with Christian. I was like, I hope my CBL girls like sneakers. (laughs) Because in Orange County, I could drive everywhere. So I would wear heels. But here, I mean, I'm walking miles every day. So I literally am only wearing sneakers. And so I'm like, this is going to be the year of how many ways can Kathleen style sneakers? Because that's like truly what I'm wearing. Well, yeah, you're on the hills of San Francisco. Now you got to be like sensible. I'm working on uh, trimming up these thighs, walking up these hills every day. When it comes to content creation, you either do it because you love it or because you know it's a powerful business tool. Now, either way, it takes a ton of work. Whether you're building your website from scratch or struggling to manage payments, you need Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate one-stop shop that's been my go-to for almost a decade. Yes, nearly a decade. It's designed to help creators and entrepreneurs build thriving online businesses with steady recurring income. Whether it's blogging, coaching, or podcasting, Kajabi makes it simple to transform your passion into profitable online courses, exclusive members sites, and so much more. Over the years, Kajabi has been my rock from hosting my signature courses like the Pinterest lab to handling transactions without taking a single penny of my money. That's right. You get to keep 100% of what you earn. With Kajabi, you get powerful analytics, simple payment options, effective email marketing tools, and beautiful website templates that you can customize. And here's a little secret. You don't need a massive following to earn a great income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi who are making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers, and you can be one of them. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash goal. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash goal. Join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion today at kajabi.com slash goal. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So Brianna LaRouch wants to know how far in advance are you planning out and creating your content? So I know you said you used to batch work. Are you still batch working? How far out are you uh, scheduling things for? So when I used to batch my work, it was mostly just, I didn't really have a choice in order to get it done. I kind of had to. Now I feel like I have the luxury. I don't work too far ahead. I probably don't work more than two weeks ahead because if you're styling clothing, items sell out. And I found that even like, I love wearing consignment clothes and vintage clothes, but I've stopped wearing them that much on my blog and social media because personally, when my audience can't access the things I'm wearing, they get frustrated. And I'm trying to provide 
you know, a positive shopping and user experience. And so I don't want to share clothes that I shot four months ago that are now sold out because it's not a pleasant experience for the reader. However, I think if your focus is travel or food or home decor, you have a little bit more flexibility to plan ahead because furniture doesn't sell out as quickly as a pair of jeans. So I think if I, if my main vertical was not something that had such a quick turnaround, like clothing, I would probably work further ahead. I love that. That's super helpful. And it is crazy how fast things sell out. So let's dive into the topic that everyone is so freaking awkward about (gasps) making money. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So right. Andrea Reno says, I'm looking forward to this episode. How long before you got traction to actually start making money and getting influencer deals? Let's compare our answers on this one because I'm interested to hear your answer. Yeah, I'm interested to hear yours. So for me, it was literally years, which probably sounds kind of sad. But I started my blog a long time ago before everyone, before, you know, there was so much awareness on influencer marketing. So I didn't, I didn't really start my blog as a way to earn a living. So I wasn't looking for sponsorships. I wasn't pitching myself. You know, my audience initially were people who knew me. So I wasn't even aware I could monetize it. But now, you know, hello, there's this podcast. There's like so many amazing resources for how to, what do you always say? Create your passion into profits. Profits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now there's like so much beautiful information about, about that. So personally, you know, if I were starting now or if someone was starting now, from what I've experienced, my advice would be, you know, cause I've worked on both the corporate and blogger side of this industry. I would recommend having, you know, steady blog traffic. It doesn't have to be through the roof, but just consistent blog traffic, a visually aesthetic, professional looking website. It doesn't have to cost you a fortune. You can use Blogger, which is free. You can get a, you know, inexpensive template on Etsy. I'd recommend a media sheet with just some general analytics and statistics. Again, it doesn't have to be like a deep dive into your analytics, but just some overall statistics that show what your brand is about and some of the more detailed information behind your website and social channels, you know, some comfort with photography and editing or a photographer that's able to provide this, you know, for you. And then I probably would recommend having at least around 10,000 followers on Instagram before even asking someone to compensate me for anything. And then I think I always feel like, you know, really evaluate your intentions when you want to start out in this industry, you know, because I I do think readers can see that. I think they can see who is starting this for a dollar and who truly is doing this because they love it and they're turning their passion into profit. You know, it just happens to be this like beautiful thing of combining your genuine interest into a living. You know, I worked for free for a long time. I know most girls did work for free in the beginning for a long time. There's still some projects that I'm so excited about that I'm literally willing to work for free for now because I truly love it that much. And so if you're not willing to work for free for a little bit, you might need to reevaluate, you know, if this is the right fit for you. Yeah, I 110% agree with everything. I feel like I didn't actually get like any sort of sponsorship or any sort of deals until I had about 10,000 followers. And I know that that can be discouraging for people. But nowadays, too, I feel like they look so much more at traffic. And so you can use things like Pinterest for free to drive traffic to your blog where it's not reliant on how many followers you have. But 
I would say around 10,000 was when I started to get stuff for free where I could like actually request and say, I really want this suitcase. If I promise to post a picture of it, will you give me a suitcase for free? And then I would say when I hit like 20,000, that was when I started getting paid offers. And now we get like very big sponsorship things. But I would say it's twofold. It's I really think it's Instagram. Don't you agree, Kathleen? Instagram and traffic. That's what I would say. Yeah, I would say so. I think it also depends on your vertical because I do think that some verticals do cater more to that long form content on a blog and others are very much, you know, they're easily accessible on something that's a faster snapshot like Instagram or social media channels. So I think it depends on, because, you know, if you're doing travel reviews and all that, like that would be amazing on a blog. It's a little bit harder to share on Instagram. So it also just kind of depends. I think there are a lot of girls out there that do fashion and style and really don't focus much on their blog and only focus on social media because it's hard to get people, if you're sharing the whole outfit and where it's from on social media, then what is the motivation to then go to your blog just to see different angles of the same outfit, you know? And I think that that's fine. Some people find a lot of success doing that, you know, personally, I always feel like I'm like, you know, what if I tried to log into my Instagram account a week from now and I was locked out? I have no way to access those people. I don't have an email list. I don't have a website that I own that I can say, why isn't this working? You know, so it does still matter to me to put time into my actual blog for that reason. But, you know, I'm a type A person. I know some people that do social media only and they find a lot of success. So it really is kind of what's going to work best for the verticals you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. So for you, what does a typical partnership look like from the initial reaching out, whether you reach out to the company or they reach out to you all the way through to completion? So that's the interesting thing that has surprised me about blogging full-time, like as a career is that no partnership is the same. You know, sometimes it's a brand's first time working with a blogger and you really have to educate them on the value and evaluate, okay, what is this brand looking for? Are they looking for exposure? Are they looking for sales? Are they looking for growth on their social media channels? Like what's their goal with this campaign? And then other times these brands and retailers like fully understand the drill and are seasoned and know exactly what they want. So, but big picture, I would say like initially there's an email that starts the conversation. Then you brainstorm the idea and the theme for the project. And then there's a contract. And then there are a few rounds of negotiating the contract. And then there's a preview deadline with project requirements, meaning, you know, you must, you know, share this link and share this many photos of the product and share how you use it over a week's period or whatnot. And then you provide that content and draft for their preview so they can preview it to make sure it looks correct. And then there might be anywhere from zero to three rounds of editing the preview. And then there's the ultimate post date where you share the content. And then sometimes, and I think now that brands are a little bit savvier, they're asking for more just because, you know, they really want to evaluate the return of investment of their investment. So a lot of times they want some analytical information once the project's complete as far as like social media engagement numbers and all that kind of thing. 
So you might have some follow-up homework to do to provide that information after a project's complete. And then, of course, there's the invoicing and then the chasing people to get the invoices paid. <laughs> it is such <laughs> a process, and I feel like nobody understands. But, like, we, especially after it went viral, our yeah. inbox just flooded with sponsorship requests. Okay. And we were like, we need to create some sort of form so that I can quickly just go through and say yes or no, because it's like budget deadline, what they need from you, where they want it posted, what their goal is, how many back and forths are going to happen. Is there included language that has to be in it? What hashtags need to be used? You know, and it was just 100%. so much stuff. And we almost had to like hire an entire team member just to manage that piece piece of things Absolutely. and drew is now getting that where he like has a campaign and now he has to send three images and different ideas for yes. captions and he's like this is a lot of work and i'm like nobody ever knows how much work goes into one post it's crazy totally well but it's because you're making it look easy yes. which means you're doing your job yes. you know what i mean it doesn't mean it is easy you're just making it look easy and i remember listening to your podcast after you guys went viral and you were saying, you know, obviously I can only imagine what your inbox looked like and that you found that email from HuffPost. Yes. And I was like, I can't believe she even found that email because I'm sure she had thousands oh, of emails. It was it's like such a like magical moment that you were able to promptly find mm -hmm. that. Because I'm like, I can't even imagine <laughs> what your inbox looks like across all channels. Right. So I love this question. Kristen Adams asked, I'm really curious about the behind the scenes transactions. I follow some great blogs, but I feel like so much of it feels secretive. What is actually happening when readers click on those links? Is there a difference if they only click but don't buy? Do all companies track where their traffic is coming from? So I totally get the fascination and curiosity of this. I do think it's a fair question. I also think it's a little odd that people expect bloggers to explain their income. I think there's just so much people just, you know, there's so much curiosity about like, what does it even mean yes. to be an influencer? You know, cause I don't typically, I wouldn't ask a photographer like, <laughs> so how do you make money? <laughs> but this is a common question. So I think we should just like do a deep yeah. dive. So I find in my experience that most influencers will earn their income through, you know, paid partnerships and collaborations with brands directly, and then through affiliate links and commission. So I, at this point, focus more on those partnerships and collaborations. But at one point earlier in my career, I, th I think I focused more on the commission portion. So, and I think that's the part that people are confused about. So let's explain affiliate links. So when readers click on those links and buy the sweater that they saw the blogger wearing, the blogger will make anywhere from like five to 15% of the sale if you end up purchasing that sweater. And I like to say, like, think of it like the sales associate at a store helping you, you know, select the item or they selected it for you. They tell you how it fits, all the different ways you can style it, what it costs, if it's on sale, if it's about to be on sale. So it's really no different than the sales associate receiving a you know portion of the sale. This is just like the digital version of a sales associate, if that makes sense. You know, you're not paying extra money to the sales associate. They're just going to check you out because they helped you make that purchase. And then, of course, if you don't make a purchase, for me, if no one makes a purchase, I make nothing. But I'm just I like it, so I'm sharing it anyway. So you know, a lot of companies do track where their traffic is coming from because working with bloggers and bloggers promoting their merchandise have allowed 
brands to cut back on traditional advertising budgets like magazine ads and billboards and that that can cost brands hundreds of thousands of dollars so they understand the value of influencers doing this for them and the beauty that i think is that it's it's not showing clothing styled on models it's showing it on real girls with real bodies so to me it's so much more approachable because you can follow some girls that maybe have your body shape and see what you think flatters them. And in turn, it might flatter you. Whereas like, I'm never going to look like a model. So like those jeans are not going to look like that on me, you know? So, you know, the links I have on my website are for the convenience of my readers. So sometimes I receive commission for items that are purchased and others, I don't receive anything if items are purchased, but it's more about creating an accessible experience and a resource for my audience than it is trying to sell them things they don't need. Because if I wear a jacket I love and I don't share where it's from, then all these people are saying, but where is it from? But where is it from? But where is it from? So it's more about creating an easy experience for the people who choose to engage with you. Yeah, I agree 100%. And for us, we make more money on the social media sponsored posts than we do on commissions like reward style or like it to know it. But I know that other people are the absolute opposite on that. But it is hilarious because I could post a video of me today sitting here recording this and people would be like, what color is your nail polish? What color is your hair colored? What bra do you have on today? And it's just crazy because it's like sometimes if I've like paid for something and like I purchased it and it's something I really like. I'm like, do I really need to tag it because I didn't get it for free and now I'm selling this product for people for free versus like if a brand sends it to you, I'm like, for sure, I'll shout it out. Like if I decide to actually wear it and use it. But it is so interesting how people just become so used to knowing where everything is from that it becomes the expectation. Exactly. And then it becomes frustrating. Yes. Like I had a light bulb moment. This truly was like a light bulb moment for me. Long story short, my grandmother and I had the same birthday. And so, and she passed away at 89 when I was 29. And so I did not anticipate that for my 30th birthday, it'd be the first time in my life that I had a birthday by myself because we always shared it together. And so I just, I didn't think about it. And so I didn't expect the melancholy feeling that I would have all day. It was just like a weird feeling. And so I kind of shared that on social media and I cannot tell you, and I'm not joking. I can't tell you how many girls are like, where's your shirt from? I'm like literally talking about my grandmother dying, literally talking about grandmother dying. And I'm wearing like a burnout white exercise shirt from Target like five years ago. It's not even, you know, where's your shirt from? And I was like, you know what? Like if I'm talking about my grandmother dying and people want to know where my shirt is from, which I mean, that's fine. They can ask totally. It's like literally what my job is. Then I'm like, that's a note to self. Like you always got to share where stuff is from because they want to know. I know. And so to me, again, it's more about providing an accessible experience than it is like trying to make a dollar. If that's that Absolutely. Sense. <laughs> we are on to our final question from Bobby Brassard. Yeah. And it says, my question is, how do we start our own blog with our own voice instead of looking to everyone else for inspiration? If you were to start over again, Kathleen, what would you say to Bobby? Bobby, this is an amazing question. And honestly, I already applaud you for like asking this question and wanting to stay original because I already think you're ahead by focusing on this. I think a lot of this, my opinion is that it kind of comes from confidence and knowing yourself and your strengths. 
you know, really assess why you want to start a blog in the first place. Do you love to write? Do you love photography? Are you like Jenna and you love to share like valuable things to people that they can use in their own careers and just really helpful business information? Like, do you want to share tips and tricks? Like, what do you want to share and why do you want to share it? What's your intention? And then I think if you stay true to that and follow your honest interests, you kind of find your own voice. And, you know, ultimately there are so many blogs out there. Like there's going to be some overlap, you know, you're going to style a jacket on the same day. Some other girl styled the exact same jacket. And you know what? It is what it is. Like you can't always be like in your own unique bubble. There's going to be some overlap, but I think if you really know your strengths and weaknesses and why you want to start a blog like that, I know there are lots of girls out there. They're like, I have a fashion blog, but I, I don't know how to take a picture and I don't like to write. I'm like, well, what, what are you doing, girl? What you doing then? So I think you just kind of have to know like what excites you about blogging and stay true to that. And you can totally find inspiration in other people, but you want to make it your own because you also, you know, if you're always, and I will say this for me personally, sometimes if I'm feeling like I'm in a creative rut, I actually won't look at other blogs or social media because I don't want to subconsciously mimic them. You know what I mean? Like for me to get inspiration, sometimes the best thing is to kind of turn it off and to take a walk or go outside. And so I can figure out what my inspiration is rather than subconsciously copying someone, even if it's unintentional. You know, absolutely. I think that's awesome advice. So where can everybody find you, follow you, enjoy your blog, see your content? Give us all the places. So you can find my website, CarrieBradshawLive.com. And then on Instagram, I am at Kathleen underscore Barnes. I love it. Thank you so much for walking people through what being an influencer is really like and just how you've gotten to where you are today. It was so inspiring and I couldn't have thought of a better guest to have on. I am so honored. It's a privilege. I think what you're doing is so incredible. And having known you way before this podcast started, it makes so much sense that you're doing this. You are such a natural interviewer. You are the blonde Oprah. I love it. That is the best compliment I'm ever. so proud of you. So there you guys have it. What a wealth of information. And one thing that I love about Kathleen is that she's not willing to sit here and pretend like it was easy. Truth be told, she worked for years before she even made a penny. After we hung up our call, we talked for a little bit and she said, I never want someone to feel like it's not possible, but I want to make sure people are getting in this for the right reasons because you truly have to be passionate about putting out consistent content and sharing your story before you ever make a penny off of doing something like this. Now, I love how she talked about the truth behind different things like affiliate links and sponsored posts and how she initially got her traffic. And I love to explore the way that different people share their lives online. She does an incredible job of letting you in and making you feel a part of her life, whether she's sharing her home decor or her outfits, or she's just showing up in her Instagram stories. And so I'm so thankful to kind of get a behind the scenes look at all different aspects of blogging and becoming an influencer. And I sincerely hope you love this this episode as much as I do. Without further ado, it is time for me to sign off and go make some mac and cheese. And so gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And I can't wait to hang out with you super soon. 
Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.